0: so carrying on then with this book, Tadween al-Sunnah, the book which is explaining how hadith were first written down, how they were compiled, how they were put together. We've now reached the chapter where it says, At-Tadween Fi Al-Qarni thani Al-Hijri That compilation of the knowledge that occurred in the second century, in the second century of the Hijra, يشمل هذا القرن عصر جيلين. This second century, the second century of Islam, it incorporates two generations. There are two generations that are incorporated into the 2nd century Al-awwal sighar al-tabi'in if ta'akhkharat wafat ba'dihim ila ma 140 Firstly the young tabi'in because some of them they didn't die until after the year 140 Hijri. So many of those tabi'een, they were there in that second century. وَقَدْ سَبَقَ الْكَلَامُ عَنْ أَثَرِهِمْ وَجُهُودِهِمْ فِي التَّدْوِينِ ضِمَنْ الْكَلَامُ عَنْ جُهُودِ جِيلِ التَّابِعِينِ كُلِّهِ بِمُخْتَلَفْ طَبَقَاتِهِ We've already spoken about the tabi'een And the role that they played And some of the efforts that they put in To the preservation of the sunnah أما الثاني, As for the second generation that Is also present in this second century فهم Al التابعين الحلقة الثالثة they are the atbā'u-tabi'een, meaning the third generation. You have the companions, then you have the tabi'een, and then you have atbā'u-tabi'een. The companions are that first generation, then the tabi'een are the second generation, and then you have those after the tabi'een, atbā'u-tabi'een so they obviously were also in this second century ba'da jil as-sahaba wal-tabi'in fi silsilat riwayat as-sunnah wa naqlat ad-din ila al-umma wa laqad kana li jil atharuh ar-ra'id fi tasaddi li ashab al-bid'a wal-ahwa' wa muqawamat al-kadhib fasha fi hadha al على ايدي الزنادقه الذين بلغوا ذروه نشاطهم ضد السنه ورواتها في منتصف هذا القرن حتى اضطر الخليفة المهدي رحمه الله الى تكليف احد رجاله بتتبع اخبارهم والتضييق عليهم في اوكارهم فاصبح ذلك الرجل يعرف يعرف بصاحب الزنادقه In the second century then, there was a lot of effort going into confronting the people of innovation and the people of desires, and counteracting the lies that were beginning to be spread. In the second century now, the people of innovation began a lot more in their activities and in the spreading of their falsehood. We know that the Prophet ﷺ said, firqa," That this ummah will split up into 73 sects. All of them will be in the fire except one. The companions, they asked the Prophet ﷺ, Who is that? قال ما انا عليه اليوم أَصْحَابِي The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said what I am upon today and my companions So the fact that the ummah will split up and these people of desires people of innovation emerge that is something which occurs that is something which occurs So in that 2nd century it occurred a lot and those people of innovation were pushing their agendas. And so the tabi'in and the atba'u tabi'in, they put a lot of effort in during that second century to counteract the da'wa of those misguided individuals. It's even mentioned that during that time, the Khalifa had to put people in charge of going and making sure that whatever innovation was being spread by these people and desires that were being spread, that they would be aware of them in order to counteract them. That they would go and check and be aware of what's going on, to find out and be upon knowledge so that they could counteract what was going on and spread the truth and the sunnah to squeeze the matter upon those people to squeeze it down with the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the truth, so that innovations and desires could not become widespread. وَقَدْ نَشَطَ الْأَئِمَّةِ وَالْعُلَمَةِ مِنْ هَذَا الْجِيلِ فِي خِدْمَةِ السُّنَّةِ وَعُلُومِهَا وَحِمَايَتِهَا مِنْ كُلِّ مَا يَشْحُوبُهَا وَعَلَى أَيْدِيهِمْ بَدَأَ التَّدْوِينَ الشَّامِلَ المُبَوَّبْ الْمُرَتَّبِ So in that second century now, the great scholars of that time, they had a lot of effort they put into the preservation of the sunnah and the various knowledges within that sunnah and to defend and to protect that sunnah from all of that corruption that was coming from the various people of innovation in that second century. So it was here in the 2nd century, where they began to put together books, as we understand books. Books that were organized with chapters and headings, and everything put together, as we kind of recognize books now. They began to write and put together books in that way. Organized, comprehensive chapters, all of it arranged in that proper way. Bada أن Kana. من قبلهم يجمع الأحاديث المختلفة في الصحف والكراريس بشكل محدود وكيف ما اتفق بدون تبويب ولا ترتيب Whereas before that second century, in the first century, during the time of the Sahaba etc. They used to compile and they used to write as we've already discovered. But their writings were not in the form of books how we see now. Their writings were a hadith written here, some written there, some on papers, not organized into a book and into chapters and arranged as we see books now. But they had all of those details, pieces of paper here, papers there, hadith here, hadith there, they were written down wherever they were in classes, etc. So it it existed in that way initially, then in the second century, that's when they began putting it together into the kinds of books that we recognize now. Another one of the things that we discussed before was, like the narration of Ibn Sirin, وَهِيْسَيْرْ إِنَّ هَذَا الْعِلْمَ دِينٌ فَانْظُرُوا عَمَّنْ تَأْخُذُونَ دِينَكُمْ This knowledge, هذا العلم, دين, this knowledge of Qur'an and Sunnah and your religion, it is knowledge of Islam, knowledge of your religion. فَانْظُرُوا عَمَّنْ تَأْخُذُونَ دِينَكُمْ So look to where you are taking your religion from. Do not blindly take your religion from anywhere here and there, from any person comes along calling himself sheikh and Mufti and Allama. Do not take it blindly from people. Take it from the pure sources of knowledge, from the scholars, from Ahlul Sunnah, from the Tulaabul Ilm, those who are known to be upon righteousness and uprightness, following in that knowledge and the footsteps of the scholars, the inheritors of the Prophets. Take your knowledge from the upright sources. And so, in those early days, what used to happen? They used to check the chains of narration, the isnad. They would check. Because by checking those asanid, they could verify whether this hadith, this riwayah, is it authentic? Is it sahih? Or is it ضعيف? So they would check the rijal. Some لَنَا رِجَالَكُمْ As they used to say, Name to us your men in this isnad. Is your hadith true? Is your riwayah acceptable? Where did that begin? During the time of the sahaba, like we said, there was no issue like that, there was no need like that, because all of the sahaba, radiallahu الله udul all of the Sahaba are legitimate, all of them are praised and uh, by Allah in the Qur'an. There is no issue of checking who the companions were and which one narrated. All of them are trustworthy. The issues arose after the companions. Now it needs to be checked who's who. So this knowledge of ilmul uh, rijal checking the chains and the narrations and those affairs it really came into fruition, or began towards the end of the time of the Sahaba, towards the latter stages of the generation of the Sahaba, and the beginning of the generation of the Tabi'een. Because from the Tabi'een onwards, now it needs to be checked who's who. They don't have that same virtue as the Sahaba. فَكَمَا كَانَ لِهَذَا الْجِيلِ الرياده في ابتداء التدوين المرتب على الابواب والفصول كذلك كانت له الرياده في ابتداء التصنيف في علم الرجال so this generation now the generation in the second century of the tabi'in and then atba' al-tabi'in second and third generations overlapping in the second century they are the ones who properly began putting together that knowledge into what we recognize now as books, chapters, sub-chapters organized, they were also the ones who really began this knowledge of, or they began investigating and opening up this field of checking the narrators, checking the chains of narration uh, and began writing the books into them Checking into narrators and chains of narration That type of thing has existed From the time of the Prophet sallallahu al wasallam Al-Ta'deel But what we're talking about here is Putting that knowledge together into books And making it available like that Written down, preserved Knowledge of men who narrators are into books That began in the second century the source of that knowledge, the pure source of it, there are even examples from the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam al But talking about books of those narrators and their names, etc., that was also in the second century where it really began. Heithu some examples of that al fi tariq al rijal min from the authors who wrote books in the narrators and their names and their biographies, and whether they are reliable or not, thiqah, za'eef, al Allayf ibn Sa'ad, one of them, Allayf ibn Sa'ad, and he died in 175 Hijri. Also, Ibn al-Mubarak, died in 181 Hijri. Uh, also, Al-Fadl ibn Duqayn, died in 218 history. These are all names of some of those who wrote in the uh, sciences of al uh, tadil the narrators and their biographies and whether they are legitimate to take from or not. ويعتبر هذا الجيل جيل التأسيس لعلوم السنة المطهرة فَفِيهِ عَاشَ جَهَابِذَةُ رِجَالِ So this generation then, they are recognized as the ones who uh, founded, founded the, the basis of these uh, sciences of the sunnah. And there is no surprise in that, that they did that. Within them, there were great scholars. Great scholars at this second century, in the time of the Tabi'in and then Atba' al-Tabi'in, the there were great scholars at that time. So there is no surprise that these knowledges they were now compiled and put together into books. And the books of al rijal began to appear. There were great scholars at that time. So no surprise, the likes of A'Imma Amthal, Malik, al Imam Malik great imam from the imams of that time al-imam malik al-imam al-shafi'i another great imam from the imams of that time al-imam al-thawri Sufyan al-thawri and also al-awza'i and Shuba and ibn al-mubarak and ibrahim al Hazari and ibn u'ayyina and al-qattan and ibn mahdi and here and other than them. These are some of the great names of the Salaf from that second century. Then we will now summarize the compilation of the Sunnah, what they did in their books and their writings that they produced at that time, in three main points. In three main points. سأوجز الكلام عن التدوين في هذا القرن في ثلاث فقرات أولاً تطور التدوين في هذا القرن عما سبق Firstly, to look at the development and the progress of compilation in this century compared to what went before So firstly in that we can say ظهور التفريق بين التدوين الذي هو مجرد الجمع وبين التصنيف الذي هو الترتيب والتبويب والتمييز في المصنفات في هذا القرن. So the first thing we can say under this subcategory, the first category of how did compilation develop in this century? One point is it developed because now they were compiling into organized books, with chapters etc. Whereas previously it was just a case of collecting, collecting hadith here, hadith there, all of it being collected and combined and joined together, papers here, papers there. The progress that occurred here, point one, that now they were compiling it in an organized way, in chapters, uh, all of it ordered, that is something which occurred in this century. ثانياً، أيضاً، under this topic of progress أن هذه المصنفات المدونه في هذا العصر قد جمعت إلى جانب أحاديث الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم أقوال الصحابة وفتاوى التابعين بعد أن كانت تتناقل مشافهة وكانت الصحف Another development that occurred in the second century is that these compilations that they were now putting together, these books as we understand them now, chapters, etc. At that time, in those compilations, of course, they had the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa they were putting into them. A hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But they were also gathering and adding in and putting in at the sides and here and there statements of the companions. So when we talk about now Quran and Sunnah, our methodology, manhajuna is to follow Quran and Sunnah ala fahmi salaf hadhihi al-umma. Now we follow the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the salaf of this ummah. The salaf of this ummah the head of them is the companions. How do we know what the companions even said about the Qur'an and the Sunnah? What their understanding even was of the Qur'an and the Sunnah? Because in the second century, they were writing it down. They were writing down statements of the companions and opinions and explanations of the companions. They were putting those into their books. The fatawa, they were putting the fatawa of the tabi'in, the students of the companions into the books. So we know exactly what the Salaf were upon. We know what their understanding of things was. Because in the 2nd century, along with the hadith that they were compiling, they were putting together statements of the companions, statements of the tabi'een, fatwa of the tabi'een. So you can see now, when we talk about the understanding of the Salaf, it's there, it is in the books. It is recorded. It is mentioned, and we know what they were upon and what their position was, what their understandings were. Whereas previously in the 1st century, it was only about the recordings of hadith. But then in the 2nd century, they began compiling those companion statements too. But then a person may say, if in the 1st century, they were only compiling the hadith, then in the second century where we are now at the generation of the students of the companions and their students, the tabi'een and the atba' tabi'een, and that's when they started compiling the statements of the companions, but now all of the companions have passed away, then where did they get them from? They were the students of They were the students of the companions. They had sat and learned from those companions. It's like now, we studied in Medina for example, and some of the scholars from the time when we were there have now passed away, rahimahumullah. But imagine now I could say, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I was in Medina and I remember Shaykh such and such telling us this, that, the other so now I'm narrating to you something that I directly learned from that teacher what I heard from him directly so even though at the time I may not have written it down for example now if I write it down and make a tweet out of it and I say 15 years ago I heard from one of the scholars he said X, Y, and Z so that's where it is it's memorized it was heard it was learned it was memorized by the students of the companions and then in their time during their lives they wrote it all down and they may well, they may well have had some personal notes. It's possible they may well have had some notes and things, but it wasn't a done thing that the statements of the companions were written and passed around in those days. But in the second century, they wrote them down, they began to compile them, as well as the fatawa of the tabi'een. Qala al-Hafiz ibn Rajab, Rahimahullah. الذين الَّذِينَ صَنَّفُوا أَقْصَامًا Al-Hafidh ibn Rajab, he says, that those in the second century who were now pulling together these compilations into books, they were different categories of people. The tabi'een who were doing this, were classed in different ways. مِنْهُمْ man من كَلَامَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أو كَلَامَهُ وَكَلَامَ أَصْحَابِهِ عَلَى الْأَبْوَابِ Some of them, they were compiling and putting together the statements of the Prophet sallam the hadith, or they were putting together his statements and the statements of the companions upon chapters. They were writing their books upon chapters. Some of them were doing it like that. For example, Al-Imam Malik, and Ibn al-Mubarak, and Hammad ibn Salama, and Ibn Abi Layla, and Waqi'ah, and Abd al-Razzaq, وَمَنْ سَلَكَ سَبِيلَهُمْ فِي ذَلِكَ And others who tread upon that same way. Statements of the Prophet wasallam, all chaptered in various sections in the book. Or statements of the Prophet wasallam and of the companions put together into chapters. So that is the second point to take note of. Remember here we were talking about the second century. We can talk about compilation of the sunnah in the second century in three points. Point one, how it developed and progressed from that which came before it in the first century. Within this point, within that point, we've now mentioned that they began writing it in books chapters, whereas previously it was just writings. We've also mentioned that they began compiling the statements of companions and fatawa of the tabi'een on top of the ahadith too. Now, the third point we can mention here within this first category of how it progressed and developed from the first century is tariqatu (coughs) tadween. في مصنفات هذا القرن that the way they used to the way that they used to write and put together their books was جمع الأحاديث المتناسبة في باب واحد ثم يجمع جملة من الأبواب أو الكتب في مصنف واحد بينما كانت تدوين في القرن الماضي مجرد Hadith في الصحف بدون ترتيب what they used to do was then combine all of the hadith of a particular topic in one chapter. all of the hadith of a particular topic in one chapter. then they would get several chapters and put them into one book. then they would have several books To make the overall book Meaning You could have Like in Buloog al-Maram An example In Buloog al-Maram Of al hafiz ibn Hajar You have for example Kitab of such and such Kitab al-Tahara Kitab al-Tahara The book of purification Within that you have Bab al-Miyah باب الانية al الحيض you will have the different chapters within the book of purification then after all that's done you have the book of prayer within the book of prayer you'll have the chapter of the Adhan the chapter of this the chapter of Eid prayer the chapter of Jum'ah prayer lots of chapters under the book of prayer Then you have the book of fasting. And then the chapter of Ramadan, obligatory fasting, chapter of optional fasting, chapters under the book of fasting. Then you have the book of zakat and the book of hajj. Each one has its chapters. Then all of those books, the book of purification, the book of prayer, the book of zakat, hajj, fasting, are all put together into the final book. So bulugh al-maram now, The book of Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar. If you look in there, it's made up of books. The book of purification. The book of prayer. The book of this, the book of that. All these books in that book, Bulugh al-Maram. Each book has its own chapters. So this is what they used to do in organizing things carefully chapters within a topic, within a book. Then you have multiple books, multiple topics with all of their chapters and they all come together to create the final book as we call it. So that is what they used to do in their method of putting things together. Whereas previously, like we said, there was none of that. It was just writing the hadith on papers and parchments uh, in various places. قال al khatib al-Baghdadi so this concept of that type of organization didn't exist during the time of the sahaba they had the hadith written down everywhere it didn't even exist in the beginning of the generation of the students of the sahaba The tabi'een. It was in the later sections of the tabi'een, the generation of the tabi'een, and the beginning of the generation of the atba'u tabi'een, where all of this really took that fruition. And then he says, al Hafiz ibn Rajab al-Hambali mentioned, uh, وَالَّذِي كَانَ يَكْتُبْ في زمن الصحابة والتابعين لم يكن تصنيفا مرتبا مبوبا، إنما كان يكتب للحفظ أو يكتب للحفظ والمراجعة فقط، ثم إنه في عصر تابع التابعين صنفت التصانيف. So he mentions that during the time of the Sahaba and the head of the Tabi'een, the early stages of the Tabi'een, it wasn't organized in those days, just written as it was. Because in those days, the purpose of it was simply just to have it there to revise from and to check your memorization from, that's it. That's all they used to write it down for, to revise from, to check your memorization from. They had it for that purpose. But later on now, it wasn't just that purpose. They were writing all of these books for, as we say, distribution. Because it was about spreading the truth, making it known, and defending the sunnah against the people of innovation. So it was more, there was more objective behind it now. Also, within this category of how it progressed in the second century from the first, ان ماده المصنفات في هذا القرن قد جمعت في من الصحف والكراريس التي دونت في عصر الصحابه والتابعين ومما نقل مشافهة من اقوال الصحابه وفتاوى التابعين he highlights here that all of this compilation in chapters and books that occurred now in the 2nd century it was all sourced from those papers and compilations that existed at the time of the Sahaba It's not like they just made it up, they got those papers where the ahadith had been compiled before, Uh, the Sahaba where they used to write down for memory purposes, all of those parchments, papers, scrolls, that was the source, the references that they used to combine together into these books, into these organized uh, books. And on top of that, of course, like we said, from the verbally communicated statements, the tabi'een who had sat with the Sahaba and had that knowledge heard directly, and they were writing that down now, the verbally communicated knowledge from the sheikh to the student, that occurred at the time too. These books that were authored in the 2nd century had various titles. حَمَلَتْ مُصَنَّفَاتْ عُلَمَاءِ الْقَرْنِ Anawin. Various titles were given to these books that were put together in the 2nd century. From them, for example, muwatta What does that mean and why? We're gonna come to that. We're gonna come to the muwatta of Al-Imam Malik in one of the chapters later on. But some of the books, they used to be called muwatta like muwatta of Al Imam Malik. Musannaf. You have the Musannaf. Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaybah, Musannaf of Abd al razzaq Musannaf, Musannaf. That was a name too. Jami'. Jami'. That was a title. You'll see it on some of the books of Hadith, etc. too. Sunan. That's easily remembered. Sunan of Ibn Majah, Sunan of Abu Dawood, Sunan. Easy name to remember. That was one of the titles. And we're going to come to those titles, why they used to name them those titles, what they mean, we're going to come to that. And some of the books at that time had specific names as well, because all of these titles are general. There were some specific ones too, like the book of Al Jihad, the book of Al Zuhud, the book of Al Maghazi, the book of Asir there were various other types of specific titles for specific topics they had at the time too. Baghdadi, Al mentioned عند ذِكْرِهِ مَا يَجِبُ أَنْ يَبْتَدِئَ بِهِ طَالِبَ الْعِلْمِ مِنْ, الأمهات من كُتُبِ أَهْلِ Al when he was talking about what a student of knowledge should begin with from the books, from the major books, what the student of knowledge should begin with, هي ثم الكتب المصنفه في الأحكام الجامعة للمسانيد وغير المسانيد يعني الحديث والآثار مثل كتب ابن جريج وابن عروبة وابن المبارك وابن عيينة وهشيم ابن بشير وعبد الله بن وهب ووكيع وعبد الرزاق بن همام وسعيد من منصور وغيرهم he said that the student of knowledge needs to focus on the books with the rulings in it and those that are comprehensive with the chains of narration and other than that, from the ahadith and the narrations like the books of Ibn Jurayj and Ibn Abi and Ibn Mubarak and Ibn Iyayna and that list that we mentioned. He said that is the, the selection and those are the types of books. ثُمَّ قَالْ وَأَمَّا مَالِكِ ابن أَنَسِ فَهُوَ الْمُقَدَّمِ فِي هَذَا النر. وَيَجْبُ أَنْ, أن بِذِكْرِهِ عَلَى كل كتاب. He said the Muwatta imam Malik, that is at the head of all of these, and that's the one that should be begun with, uh, and that is the statement of Al-Khatib Al-Baghdari. So all of that there was the first section, and that was the progress and the development of compiling in this century compared to the last. Now the second section. Now we're going to talk about the second century and what happened in another aspect. This aspect now is ثانياً ممن اشتهر بوضع المسنفات في الحديث في هذا القرن. I look at some of the actual names of the Salaf in the second century who became famous for compiling and writing books. Some examples of them. <coughs> so you can take a list of some of these names And you'll come across them Firstly Abu Muhammad Abdul Malik Ibn Abdul Aziz Ibn Jurej Famously Ibn Jurayj, And he died in the year 150 In Mecca. Also Muhammad Ibn Ishaq Ibn Yasar Al-Matlabi, he died in 151 Hijri, in Medina. Also, Ma'amar ibn Rashid al-Basri, thumma died in 153 Hijri, in Yemen. Sa'id ibn Abi Uruba, died in Basra, 156 Hijri. Al-Awza'i, Abu Amr, Abdul Rahman ibn Amr al Owzagi died in one hundred and fifty six Hijri in Sham. Also, Muhammad ibn Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Thab died in Medina one hundred and fifty eight Hijri. Also, Shubba ibn al Hajjaj died in one sixty Hijri in Basra. Also, Sufyan al Thawri Abu Abdullah Sufyan ibn Sa'id al Thawri. Died in 161 hijri in Kufa. Al-Layth ibn Sa'id, famous also. Al-Layth ibn Sa'id, Al-Fahmi, died in 175 hijri in Egypt. Also, Abu Salama, Hamad ibn Salama, ibn Dinar, died in 176 in Basra. Also, the famous Al-Imam Malik ibn Anas, died in 179 hijri in Medina. Abdullah ibn mubarak died in 181 in Khurasan. Also, Abdullah ibn Wahab, died in 197 Hijri in Egypt. Sufyan ibn Uyayna also, died in 198 Hijri in Mecca. Waki' ibn al-Jarrah al-Ru'asi, died in 197 in Kufa. Also, Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, Abu Abdullah, Muhammad ibn Idris al Shafi'i died in 204 Hijri in Egypt, and also Abd al ibn Hammam as San'ani died in 211 in Sana'a. That is a list of some of the famous Salaf who compiled writings in the second century. The third point uh, regarding the second century, the third point. regarding the 2nd century, is one specific example of a book, that was written in that 2nd century. (coughs) And that is the example of, the Muwatta of Al-Imam (coughs) Malik. So, Al-Imam Malik, he is Abu Abdullah, Abu Abdullah Malik ibn Anas al-Asbahi The Imam Dari al-Hijra The Imam of Al-Madinah at the time Al-Imam al-Dhahabi Said about Al-Imam Malik Al-Imam al hafiz Faqih al-Ummah Shaykh al-Islam That he was the Imam The Hafiz the Faqih of this Ummah, the Sheikh of Islam, gave him these great praises, Al Imam al zahabi when he spoke about Al Imam Malik. So, why did Al Imam Malik call his book Muwatta? Muwatta Al Imam Malik. For two reasons. For two reasons. Firstly, سُمِّيَ بِذَلِكَ لِأَمْرَيْنِ لِأَنَّهُ وَطَّأَ بِهِ الْحَدِيثِ اَيْ يَسَّرَهُ لِلنَّاسِ Because he made the hadith easy for the people. And in Arabic, وَطَّأَ مُوَطَّأَ can have that meaning. To make easy. He made the hadith easy for the people. (coughs) Easy for access, easy for Having that available, compiled, etc., gave ease to the people with hadith. Secondly, لِمُوَاطَأَةِ عُلَمَاءِ الْمَدِينَ لَهُ فِيهِمُ وَمُوَافَقَتِهِمْ عَلَيْهِ Secondly, because the scholars of Medina at the time all agreed with him upon this book. Excellent. Do it. Write it. Compile it. They were all in agreement with him upon this book. And muatta in Arabic can have that meaning too of Agreement. قال الإمام مالك, الإمام مالك said himself, عرضت كتابي هذا على سبعين فاقيها من فقهاء المدينة. فكلهم واطأني عليه فسميته Al الإمام مالك said, I presented my book to 70 of the فقهاء, of the scholars of Medina. And all of them agreed with me on this book. So I named it the مواطة, the book that has been agreed by them all. Secondly, <clears throat> what is the topic of Muatpa of Imam Malik? Mawdura. What is the topic of the book? Ishtamala ala a hadith ir Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa akwali suhaba wafata wa tabien waqadin taqahu min mi'at elf hadith kan er riha. It includes the hadith of the Prophet. sallallahu and also the statements of companions, and also the Fatawa of tabi'een. Includes them all. And he selected the narrations that he put in there from 100,000 narrations that he used to narrate. Of course, Muttal Imamat doesn't have 100,000 in it, but those are a selection from 100,000 that he knew. In Muwatta of Imam Malik. How many are there actually in there then? It mentions, Ahadith al The uh, number of narrations in Muatta, the one that is the version from Yahya, Ibn Yahya al-Andalusi, one of his students, is 853. 853. From 100,000 that he used to narrate. 853 in the book. Uh, ويقول أبو بكر الأبهري جملة ما في الموطأ من الآثار عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وعن الصحابة والتابعين uh, أبو بكر الأبهري said that the compilation of everything which is in there from the companions and from the tabi'in is 1720 1720 1720 حديث So he mentioned al-musnadu minha six hundred those that are connected with those chains mursal some of those that have the gaps in them two hundred and twenty-two muqaf at the companions their statements six hundred and thirteen and the statements of the tabi'in two hundred and eighty-five. وقد يختلف عددها لتباين روايات الموطع عن الإمام مالك ولأنه كان دائم التهذيب والتلطيح للموطع إِذْ فِي تَصْنِيفِهِ How come there's such a big difference? 1,720, one scholar says that's how many narrations are in there. The other one says there was only 853. How come? Because Imam Malik, he was writing his muwatta, And then when he finished it, going back to it and adding things to it, changing it, checking over it, for 40 years. For 40 years he kept making revisions to his muwatta. So it's very possible that the original version of Yahya ibn Yahya al-Andalusi, his student, that was only 853 from one of the earlier versions maybe. And then later on, as Al Imam Malik made revisions, he actually ended up with over a thousand in there. Possibly. So there is a possibility of why those narrations are different because of the students who narrated it and what times they narrated it after the revisions of Al Imam Malik years later or earlier. So you can have differences in the numbers of a hadith in there. Marataba to a the final thing we'll mention today. What is the 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 status of Muwatta' of imam Malik. Like Sahih al-Bukhari, we know at the top. Sahih muslim we know near the top, There, second. Where does Muwatta' al-Imam Malik come into the order? مرتبة أحاديثه. قال الإمام شافعي أصح كتاب بعد كتاب الله Muwatta' al-Imam Malik. Al-Imam Shafi'i said, the most authentic book after the Qur'an is the Muwatta' of imam Malik. But what about Al-Bukhariya Muslim then? <laughs> didn't exist yet. They didn't exist yet. That's why he saying Muwatta' of imam Malik at the time. al bukhari and Muslim, they wrote their books after Al-Imam Malik. Al-Imam Malik died, Tufiya 179 Hijri. 179, 179. As for al-Imam al-Bukhari, he died. 256. 256. And al-Imam Muslim, 261. So they died a lot later than al-Imam Malik. A lot later. In fact, they were born after al-Imam Malik had already died. So at the time, at the time, Al-Imam Shafi'i said, Muwatta' al-Imam Malik is the most authentic book. That's what it was. That was the level of it. La ta'arudah بين al-Qawl wa beynama attafagh alayhi al-ulama min anna asahha kitab ba'da al-Bukhari wa muslim umur. So there's no contradiction there. Nobody should think, why is Imam Shafi'i saying that when of course Bukhari and Muslim are the most authentic. Firstly, because obviously he was making that statement before al-Bukhari and Muslim their books were even available or written yet, before that time. And, also because, also because, also because, you can actually say, the majority of what is in Muwatta of Imam Malik, is also found in Bukhariya Muslim. So the majority of it is actually very good. And the rest of it, that isn't in Bukhariya Muslim. Those are hadith. you'll find them in the Sunnah. Sunnah Abu Dawud, Sunan Nabi, Ibn Majah, Tirmidhi Nisai. nasai So all of those books are there. All of those are hadith are in those other books too. وَقَدْ ذَهَبَ إِلَى الْقَوْلِ بِأَنَّ كُلَّ مَا فِي صَحِيحٍ جَمْعْ مِنَ الأئمة فِي الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبِ Some of the scholars actually take the opinion that all of the hadith in Muwatta are also authentic. Some of the scholars take the opinion, the ahadith in Muwatta, all of them are authentic. For example, Ibn Salah and Ibn Hajar, uh, they take that opinion. Or they indicate, they indicate that some of the scholars, they take that opinion. But of course, what is established and understood amongst the scholars is that the Muwatta of Al Imam Malik is a level below, of course, Al Bukhariya Muslim. Some of the scholars say all of its narrations are authentic too, which would put it alongside Bukhariya Muslim. But the majority of the scholars have said, after investigating carefully, that actually its level is below the level of Bukhariya Muslim. Some of the scholars even used to consider Muwatta, the Muwatta of Imam Malik, as the sixth book. The six famous books are Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, Sunan, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, Tirmidhi, Nasa'i, Nasa'i Ibn and Ibn Majah. But some scholars said Muatta of Imam Malik instead. Some of the scholars used to consider the Muwatta of Imam Malik as the sixth in that category of six. Some of them used to consider that, uh, and there have been many explanations of it too. Muatta Imam Malik. Now, if you go to the bookshops, you can buy that in one volume, even one volume, eight hundred hadith in some of the narrations, one volume. But the explanations of it, they are much bigger. There are explanations done of it. For example, al Istivkar is a book known as al Istivkar, written by Ibn Abdul Bar. And that is a big book. That is physically something like this. A big book. Many volumes. Explanation of Muatta'val ibn Malik. Al-Tamheed, again, another big book of this nature. Tamheed written by ibn Abdelbar. ibn Abdelbar also. And that is again another big book. And then you have others like Al-Muntaqa of Abu al-Walid, Al-Baji. And that is also printed. So that is a brief. Look at just one of the books of the 2nd century. That summarizes in that one lecture the 2nd century. That summarizes the 2nd century. What we're going to move on to next lecture then is the 3rd century. And that's where Al-Bukhari and Muslim and everything comes in. And that's where we'll look at those books in detail, inshaAllah ta'ala. So we'll round off on that for today then up to that point. And we'll begin with the third century in the next lecture next week, insha'Allah (laughs) ta'ala. Any questions or anything to add on? um, Was Abu Hanifa not around at that time and did he make any books or did he write anything? Because some people say he didn't do anything like that. Al Imam Abu Hanifa, he died in the year. 170? On uh, 150. 150? Yeah. Which one? 150. Yeah. You think or definitely what? I'm sure it's 150. So you're definitely sure? Fatwa? <laughs> 150. Correct. When was he born? 70. 70? Fatwa again or? I'm sure it's 70. Mm -hmm. let's just stick with the death for now, 150 he died, in the year 150 in the year 150 Hijri, so that is obviously in the 2nd century century. he they mention about Imam Abu Hanifa the area that he was in at the time was sparse when it came to narrations we mentioned that the Sahaba and then particularly the Tabi'in spread out into different lands. It just so happens, they say, where he lived in his area, there weren't many of those Tabi'in who had learned from the Sahaba who were narrating chains of narrations. There weren't many of them. As a consequence, he didn't have these kinds of figures, hundred 100,000 narrations that Imam Malik had. Because they say where he was at that time, those tabi'een from the Sahaba, etc., who had the narrations, who had the chains, there weren't many of them who had settled in his area where he happened to be. So they say as a consequence, he didn't have these kinds of figures in narrations. In terms of writings though, obviously his madhab, well known and famous, written, recorded by his students and passed on, that's there. Books, there are certain books that are attributed to him, like Al-Fiqh, Al-Akbar, the famous book, attributed to him, and may, whether it is or not, but it is attributed to him and that is where it is associated to. Other large works of his, Allah alam, if there are other well-known large works or uh, proven works of his, but what is known is that he did not have those levels of narrations just because of consequence as it was in the environment where he was, compared to, <coughs> to Al Imam Shafi'i, Al Imam Malik, and Al Imam Ahmad. Those are the three madahib had a lot more access to these narrations than he did. So Allah, if there are more writings, but I'm not aware of it. <coughs> um, is it correct to say that the, the Sunnah is, is verifying? What's within the Qur'an rather than adding additional elements? It It is also adding to. In one of the early lectures, we talked about that, maybe the first lecture or the second lecture. The sunnah verifies what's in the Qur'an, but it also adds to what's in the Qur'an. There are some things which are mentioned in the sunnah, they are not mentioned in the Qur'an. For example, the hawd, the pond of the Prophet on the Day of Judgment that isn't particularly mentioned in the quran but it's mentioned in the sunnah of course there are things mentioned in the sunnah they may not be in the quran so the sunnah does add to the quran in some parts sunnah is revelation like the quran Hmm. did the sahaba actually authorize compilation so obviously the first generation didn't act on that too much but Mm -hmm. it did they authorize it? And is there a certain generation after when compilation is deemed so unauthentic? Or? No, compilation. I mean, the Sahaba, they had everything written down. There's a hadith in their various books, uh, various papers and scrolls here and there. They hadn't put them together into books. There's no question of authority because when they were teaching their students, they were passing on their knowledge and their chains of uh, the hadith. The narrations, they were passing it all on. They were giving it to them in order for that knowledge to be spread. So that is their authority, that is their acceptance of this knowledge to be spread. Whether in books, whether in narrations, they were spreading that knowledge. And they knew, remember we said, they knew that there was a responsibility upon them to convey the knowledge. So no doubt, there was, there's no question of permission. There was definitely permission to do that and to spread it. That's what the Sahaba wanted. Then all of it is linked. So now what was written in the 2nd century was all written based upon the references of what they had from the Sahaba. What was written in the 3rd century is also based upon the references of the 2nd century which was on the references of the Sahaba. That's how everything continues with a chain. Now a scholar writes a book. Now in this century a scholar writes a book. What he writes in that book, like Sheikh Rozan, Sheikh Bin Baz, they've written books. What they've written in their books... That material, that information, where is it? Go back to the books of the 2nd century, the 3rd century, you'll find everything there. That's how you know the books are authentic or which scholars are authentic. Because now you can see, when we say Quran and Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf, the understanding of the Salaf is all in there in the books. Any person of deviation comes along and says, no, the Salaf used to say, do this and that. You tell them, all that list of names you just mentioned. Say, go to their books, 2nd century authors Wrote the books directly from their parchments and things from the companions. Anywhere in there, tell us where you find this explanation you're talking about. They can't. That's the thing. Everything is there, the understanding of the Salaf. Hmm. Um, a lot of on a different topic. Go on, last one then. Yeah. Uh, when, sometimes when I go to the masjid, azan is being called. What, what's first to do? Do I have to wait until it's finished before you do to hear to a masjid? Or, when you go to the masjid and the adhan is being done you should stand, wait repeat after the muadhin. repeat after him and then when you finished, he's finished the adhan you finished the repeating and you've done the du'a then you pray your tahiyya masjid except if it's Jum'a if you go to the mosque on Jum'a and the adhan is being done pray tahiyya masjid straight away because now it's more important for you to listen to the Khutbah from the beginning. Rather than saying, let me stay and wait with the Mu'addin and repeat after him, because if you do that, then you're going to start praying your tahitul al-masjid and the khatib is already going to start his khutbah. So on Jumu'ah, if you walk in and the adhan is going, then you don't have to wait for it, you don't have to repeat after him. It's better to pray your tahitul al-masjid so that by the time the adhan is done, you're now done and ready and you can listen to the khutbah from the beginning. So Jumu'ah you do that. But every other time, the rest of the prayers of the week, if you walk in the adhan is going on, wait, repeat after the mu'adzin, then tahiyatul masjid. Alright? Uh, if the if you walk in and the khutbah has already started, you do still have to pray your tahitul masjid, but you're not supposed to take 10 minutes praying them. A quick, short tahiyatul masjid, and then you sit down and catch the khutbah. Because there's a hadith, one time the Prophet alaihi was given the khutbah, and a person came in and just sat down. The Prophet said to him, did you pray ta al Masjid? And he hadn't. So then he told him to get up and pray. So even in the khutbah, you still pray it, but make it quickish. So you can quickly finish and listen to the Imam. Alright, we'll leave it there for today then. Carry on next week, inshaAllah, 7 o'clock roughly, or 10 past 7 roughly, inshaAllah.